Hello and welcome to Car Talk from National Public Radio with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers. And we're broadcasting this week from the Good News, Bad News Department here at Car Talk Plaza. Really? Let's see. If the good news is that NPR has finally canceled us, the bad news would be, uh... I can't think of anything, so I guess that's not it. <laughs> no, not even close. No, no, the good news is that a new scientific study shows that one of your favorite activities can actually help you live longer. Ah, smoking cigars? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's never going to happen, ashtray breath. No, you ready for this? It's napping. Napping. Really? Well, here's the deal. Yeah. A large new study published in the Archives of Internal Medicine found that people who regularly took a siesta in the middle of the day were 37% less likely to die of heart disease. The study's author says that by reducing stress, naps could, quote, turn out to be an important weapon in the fight against coronary mortality. Well, duh, I've known that for years. Why do you think I put that sofa next to my park bench? <laughs> So what's the bad news out of all this? Well, well, it's only really bad news for you, in fact. Oh. Uh, the study says that napping works best for men who, you ever ready for this? Work. <laughs> <laughs> they are 64% less likely to die from heart disease if they take a nap. The study didn't say anything about the work averse, which is what category you're really <laughs> Well, in the interest of science, I think it's time for another study. Aha! We should get Paul Murky working on that grant proposal. Wait a minute. That would require work, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, that certainly would. <laughs> then I guess we'll never know. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, anyway, if you're not ready for your siesta and you have a question about your car, give us a call. The number is 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hello. My name is Julia, and I'm calling from St. Paul, Minnesota. Hi, Hi Julia. Julia. Do you take a nap every day? <laughs> I take a nap when I have my days off of work. Ah, Good. <laughs> oh, which is like enough. probably Saturday and Sunday. See, I think it's the work that's the problem. Yeah, that gets in the way. I you see, so. I don't need a nap because I might not work hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's up, Julia? <laughs> well, I have a 93 Toyota Corolla, and I have a problem when I come home from work late at night. Ah. Um, in Minnesota, you know, it gets pretty cold. So when it gets uh, 10 degrees outside or less, um, I'll get in my car at night and get out right away onto the freeway, and I only have access to first and second gear. It's an automatic. Um, so oh. I'm going down the freeway, and it's revving, 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 revving. And when the heat gauge gets up about a quarter of the way, it, I'll get third. And then I'm revving, revving, revving until the heat gauge gets about a third of the way up, and then I get fourth. And then I'm fine. It won't shift out of second gear. Right. So when you say you're revving, 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 you're trying to go fast because you're stuck in, in second gear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like something inside the transmission is probably sticking, and it may be because the transmission's sludged up. Well, it only happens when it's cold outside. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> All troubles begin when it's cold outside. Yeah. I think you have to move. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the car. The trouble is you. Yeah, one of my friends is encouraging me. She says that down in Florida, it's much nicer. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I mean, if you go south maybe a thousand, two thousand miles. You'll wind up in thing... the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, this thing will work fine. I guarantee it. Well, it, it might. <laughs> but then you might have other problems. You know, you might you might be calling us up next week saying, Jesus, thing's overheating. No, this car is a tank. My mom had it before me, and we've had it since 95 in the family. Yeah. Things never go wrong with it. It's got 120000 on it. 120000 mm -hmm. Somebody hasn't been doing the regular things that have to be done. <laughs> and one of those things is change the automatic transmission fluid. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, could be, it could be as simple as that. I mean, you could have a stuck solenoid in the transmission. It could be that the, the clutches are beginning to slip. There are lots of things that could be affected by cold weather. But we'll give her the easy answer. Well, and, okay. it's, not, and it's not unusual for cold weather to be the uh, the leading indicator of an imminent failure. We, we, we get a lot of calls from people, and in the, over the years we've seen a lot of cars at our shop that won't shift at all or won't move at all when it's really cold. Yeah. You cold know, okay. because so the, bad Because the, the, the clutches and the transmission are slipping. And sometimes changing the fluid and putting in one of those wonderful additives that's available absolutely <laughs> can can help. Or you may just be low on fluid. Okay. A has anyone looked at this car in say the last year or so? Yeah, um, I've got a guy uh, on the east side of St. Paul here who's just fantastic, and he takes care of it. He does. Yeah. Tell yeah. him to change the fluid, and we'll okay. see what happens. And have you complained to him about this problem? 
No, because, you know, it only happens when it's cold out and when I'm coming home late at night. So it doesn't bother me. Yeah. So it doesn't happen necessarily when it's been sitting overnight. That might be because I go four miles on residential streets before I get on the freeway. Ah. So I don't have to use the higher gears. You give the transmission a chance to warm up. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And it may be that when it's 10 degrees, you're going to have to baby this tank a little bit. Okay. You know, and there may be nothing that they can do. I mean, at this point... I wouldn't get talked into a transmission rebuild. I would wait till you had a complete out-and-out failure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I would change the fluid. Either Mm -hmm. that's going to fix it or it's not. If it doesn't, forget about it. Then just drive down to Florida. (laughs) Drive to Florida. I'll drive to Florida. (laughs) There you go. You got it, Julia. (laughs) Thanks for your call. You're a woman after my own heart. And take a nap. (laughs) It won't bother you as much. (laughs) Right. See you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. She's not really worried. Isn't that nice? Well, no, because if she were worried, she would have call this guy in St. Paul and, and, and ask. But I said, oh my God, what's happening? But she doesn't really care. Well, people who refer to their cars as tanks yeah. have a different attitude. What, what do you call your car? No, no. <laughs> you know what everyone else calls it. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello. Hey, my name is Ryan. I'm calling from uh, Seattle, Washington. Hey, Ryan. Seattle. What's going on, man? Hey, so we had uh, we had a snowstorm about two months ago, and uh, that night my back right tire mysteriously went flat, but I didn't notice until I'd already driven about 15 or so miles on it. It was and flat, and you drove 15 miles on it and didn't notice it. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, flat, flat, flat. It must have had some air in it. It was There was a tiny, tiny bit of air. I mean, it wasn't riding right on the rim, but yeah. ever since, my power steering has made this this popping noise, and it's like... It's, I, I described it as like a, like a single popcorn kernel going off in a microwave bag. And, and uh, when it makes the noise, it's going from engaging into power steering, and then, and then it'll just lose it, and it's just manual steering. Oh. So the result is, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like white-knuckling the wheel here to crank on it when it's, when it's not engaged. And then, you know, around a turn, it'll, it'll all of a sudden make that pop noise, and the wheel will just start spinning around in my hands. The wheel starts spinning around in your well, hands? Well, it gets so easy to turn. I mean, I'm literally almost fish channeling sometimes, and uh, okay. Yeah, do, do you have right. do you have any next of kin? <laughs> no. Anyone we should notify? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because because this may be the last conversation you have with anyone. Uh, <laughs> no, and first of all, the snowstorm has nothing to do with it. I'm convinced of that. I'm 100 percent convinced of that as well. What what kind of vehicle is this thing, and how how old is it? It's a 1986 oh. original Acura Legend with about 320,000 miles in the body. Oh. But I can't imagine got... how there could be anything wrong with it. <laughs> well, it's got, okay, so, but it does have a 1996, uh, a newer engine in it. Oh, that probably has only 250,000 miles on it or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it seems to me that you have either, uh, my first guess is that your rack and pinion steering mechanism is ready to seize up on you. Okay. Yeah, so, so you're trying to turn the wheel, you're fighting like hell, <laughs> yeah. and the wheel won't turn, and all of a sudden you hear the snap, and it frees up. Yeah, freeze up and just start spinning. I mean, yeah, real and you fast. and you drive into the sidewalk or something <laughs> else. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, at you, this point, I pretty much just lay on my horn at all times for, <laughs> for pedestrians. Oh, you could have the horn hot wired, so when you turn the key on, it just starts blaring. And as soon as you start the car, and it doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. stop because <laughs> Ryan's coming. Get out of the way. <laughs> that's pretty much it. at this point. That's pretty much what I have to do. I mean, w- without making any more jokes this this is deadly serious and sooner really? or later you are going to lose your ability to steer the car at entirely it's very very dangerous e- either either the the rack and pinion is going to seize up on you or jam up which can happen there's also a steering coupling that could seize up okay but worse than that you could have a ball joint that's that's frozen and a ball joint that's frozen would give you exactly the same situation. It would resist turning until finally you exerted enough force on that steering wheel that you overcame the resistance that it's, you know, rusting or whatever was presenting, and the thing would move. If this were, if this car belonged to somebody that I cared about, I would not, I would not drive it. <laughs> Thanks. I would, I would not drive it. No, I didn't mean it that way. No, no, I would recommend to that person he or she not drive it anymore, okay. but have it towed to the garage. Yeah, this is this is real because serious this stuff. This is very dangerous. Okay. This this is death defying. Okay. Yeah. So don't mess with it. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it's bad. And and when you find out that it needs a new rack and pinion, it's going to cost you nine hundred bucks. It may be the death knell for this car, but you, you my guess is that's what you're going to need. 
Okay? See you, Ryan. Good luck, man. Hey, thanks, guys. All righty. Bye-bye. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hi, yes. My name is Angie Whitehead. I'm calling from Newmarket, Tennessee. Hi, Angie. Did you say Angie? Yes, Angie. From Newmarket, Tennessee. Yes. What's going on, Angie? Well, I have a 1992 Volkswagen GTI. You do? Yes. Boy, I, if if I after hearing your voice, I would that would have been maybe the last car I would yeah. have guessed that you owned. I would have guessed you for a Pontiac. No. No, huh? From <laughs> her right. voice, you could tell from her voice. Well, I just I don't know. I just got the feeling. I I have a mental image of Angie. Yeah. And a, and it ain't sitting behind the wheel of a 92 GTI, but go ahead. How many miles on it? I'm not really sure. The odometer Stop. stopped many years ago. <laughs> it's fine. Good for, you. good for you. I'm guessing somewhere around 200,000. That's good. Well, so what's it doing now that's bothering you? Well, it's not too bad right now because it's the winter months. The fan is not coming on. Ah. Oh, the cooling fan. Yes. So it's not bad now. Yeah. But come summertime, then, of course, that will be an issue. Yes, it will. It doesn't like cold weather, so it doesn't start really easily anymore. So you can't drive it in the winter because it doesn't start. You can't drive it in the summer because the cooling fan doesn't work. This car's going to last forever. <laughs> well, no, continue to drive. I just let it warm up a little longer in the winter. But my question is, my son and my husband say it's time to just chunk it. But I refuse to give up on it. What kind of driving do you do? Just minimal. You know, I'm within 10 miles of where I work. Yeah. And see, my husband's a mechanic. Ah. But he works on semi-trucks, which he says is very, very different than cars. That's right. Well, if you... If you did have to abandon this car, and I will admit, this car has... this car even have an airbag, 92? No. It would be nice to have a car with an airbag. So if you didn't want to go out and buy a brand new car, you could certainly go up and buy a used car. And all you've got to do is go up like one year and you're going to get an airbag. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. my son has threatened me within an inch of my life because he does auto body work. Oh. And he says that if I get anything from across the pond, he's going to physically harm me. <laughs> he can't do that. There are laws. <laughs> so he told me oh. that I need to consider either Nissan, Honda, Acura, or possibly Mazda. Okay, so he doesn't want you to get a European car. Yeah, because I mentioned one of those little Mini Coopers. Yeah. yeah. And I thought he was just going to come unglued. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yes. What else have you liked besides the Mini Cooper? I don't like any of the new cars. I think they're all ugly. Really? Mm. Yes. Well, you're going to buy a used car then. Yes, and that I have. You know, just terrifying dreams and stuff about because I hate doing that. I hate going to a car lot. Period. Yeah. Well, no, it, it, everybody does. It it is it is tough, and you have to find someone that you that you can trust, and, and that's not so easy. And that's in fact why people go out and buy new cars, because if the savings isn't great enough, it's not worth the risk. But see, now this car that I have was a used car. And where'd you buy that? Through the newspaper. Well, mm-hmm. so you bought it from an individual. I think it might be time to buy another newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buy another newspaper and, and buy another car. But I, I wouldn't hesitate to recommend uh, certainly a Japanese car, and I, I agree with your son that he, I do too. he probably feels more comfortable fixing them. Oh, I'm never going to live this down. I know. Well, he, I think you he's know. right. And they're probably more reliable. I mean, they're not probably. They are more reliable. They are more the, the reliable. The Japanese cars have proven themselves. The Toyotas, the Hondas, the Nissans, and the like have proven themselves to be more reliable than the Volkswagens and the Audis and, and the and Chevrolets and all of those. Yeah. So maybe you, you might have to. Buy yeah, one it of might those be cars. time. I mean, this car's been around a long time. It has. It's time to it's time to spend some money and buy a '96 or '98. <laughs> Don't you think? Well, sometimes, but I think well, I can just rebuild the motor in this one and just go on. I I know it, but then you then you wind up in that same trap that my brother's in, <laughs> which is what? Which which is you you are oh. you have been condemned to driving. You will be condemned to driving a jalopy, <laughs> For the rest and, of your and you life. will be subjected to the ridicule of oh, I'm everyone. There. You, oh, you're already. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet, Angie. Yeah, I am already there. I mean, you could go out and buy yourself another Volkswagen. 
Do you I would be my son again. I know it, but any chance he might be moving soon? No, <laughs> no. I'm afraid. I think he's going to be at home for a while. Oh, he lives with you all? Yes. Oh, jeez. Has he got a girlfriend? No. Well, that's the first order well, of business. You've got to find one for him, yeah. because otherwise he's going to be on your back forever. <laughs> He'll but you there. might want to you might want to look at a Honda Civic. You might want to look at a, a, a Toyota Matrix. Okay. But I, I would recommend just to, you know to kind of keep the peace until you can you know get him to join the circus or something. <laughs> <laughs> In order to keep the peace, you buy a Japanese car, and the car I suggest is a Toyota or a Honda for you. Okay. This is a difficult process. And when, okay. you, when, yeah. you, when you sort it all out, you may decide you want to keep the GTI. <laughs> but good luck, Angie. Okay, You're thank you need for it. your time. All right, get those brochures from the circus. You never know. Okay. <laughs> See you later. All right, thanks. Bye. All righty, bye-bye. Hey, hey uh, uh, Tommy. Yeah. Is that your name? Do you remember anything <laughs> about last week's Puzzler? Not a single word. Well, you're right. It, it was two words. <laughs> two words. Was the first one. Oh no. <laughs> no, no, no. They were both nouns. And this was a puzzler concerning two words, one of which was the plural of the other. I remember it. But there was something very unusual about them, and we'll be back with the details and, of course, more of your calls in just a minute. So please stay tuned. Broken cars and broken women. That's all I've ever driven. I can't stand the way they fall apart. And even though leprechauns pelt their radios with lucky charms whenever they hear us say it, this is NPR National Public Radio. Hi, we're back. You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and, of course, the answer to last week's puzzler. And this was a word puzzler sent in by someone named Paul Mulek, and, and he sent in a few, actually, over yeah. the years. And it went just like this. As everyone knows, in English, most uh, singular nouns can be made plural by simply adding an S, or sometimes an ES to the end of the word. So in most cases, every letter of the singular form of the noun will also be found in the plural form. You know, for, for hmm. instance, shoe, shoes, or my brother's case, uh, bum, bums. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There are exceptions, of course, right? Yeah. For example, the word matrix has the plural matrices and the plural of bacterium is bacteria, but even in those cases, just about every letter from the singular noun also appears in the plural form, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the other day I was rereading one of my favorite books, The Lord of the Rings, when an unusual word caught my eye. Of course, this book is full of all kinds of weird words from imaginary languages, but this particular word is a bona fide English word, and it's a plural noun. It's an old word, and it's not used much nowadays, but you'll find it in just about any English dictionary. All right. I would like you to just give me the first letter, because I know that I am right on the on the verge of getting... You it. want the letter of the singular? Yeah, do I, I don't care. Do you tell me what it is. The, the first letter of the singular word is C. The first letter of the plural is K. <laughs> and you can see that they're different, right? They certainly are. <laughs> now, the singular form of this word, however, is a very common English word. But here's the interesting part. The word in question is a plural noun, but it has no letters, not one in common with the singular form. So oh. the question was, what are the two words? Oh, boy. Just give me two. Now, I, I gave out a little hint. At least one, and maybe both of the words, is very short. Obviously, uh -huh. they would make it easier to have no letters in common, right? The shorter the word. I the got better. it. <laughs> the singular is cat, and the plural is kitten. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, you don't know how close you are. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the singular is cow. Yeah. And the plural is kind. K-I-N-E. -E. Exactly right. You probably used that word in a crossword puzzle or two. I have. Right? What kind of kind are these? Wow. Pretty cute, eh? Who sent this in? Paul Mulek. He's got more brains than us. <laughs> so, that narrows it down. <laughs> so who's our winner anyway? Ah, the winner is Darren Guido from Dover, Delaware. 
And for having his answer selected at random from among all the correct answers that we got, too, <laughs> Darren is going to get a $26 gift certificate to the Shameless Commerce Division at CarTalk.com, with which he can pick up our best-selling CarTalk Lackey's T-shirt, 4th edition. We have four editions of the Lackey T-shirt? Yeah. We got so many freeloaders on staff, <laughs> we had to make four T-shirts to accommodate them all. <laughs> this one's got our press secretary, Don B. Zanosi. <laughs> and our swimsuit designer, C. Big Behinds, <laughs> and many, many more on it. Many more. <laughs> anyway, we're going to start laying people off. We're running out of cotton. <laughs> anyway, we have a brand new puzzler coming up in the third half of the show, so don't go anywhere. But right now, if you have a question, give us a call. The number is 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello. Hey, guys. This is Doug from Portland, Oregon. Hey, Doug. Doug what's, what's going on? Oh, man, this is a fun one. So uh, about a year ago, we finally made the move from the minivan and the babies to the soccer mom for my wife's car, ah. which is a 99 uh, Volvo Cross Country. Okay. And we've had nothing but problems with the thing. Uh, light switches going, our window switches going out, et cetera. And finally, uh, about six months ago, the ABS module went out. Mm -hmm. Took it into the dealer, and they wanted 1400 bucks to fix it. Um, so, mm -hmm. yep. being cheap and uh, um, being uh, an engineer, I, I, I went on the web, found a guy in California that you could send the ABS module to and he'd fix it. Um, and mm. I did that. I took it out, got it fixed for 200 bucks, uh, got it back in, and the ABS and all that stuff's working right. But now the car runs really rough. Um, it's really loud, the engine, and it seems like there's no power, like maybe I messed up the turbo. So I'm curious if I should, uh, if there's somebody I can send that part to on the internet, <laughs> or uh, or should I get some real help here? So, <laughs> yeah. So you, it sounds like originally you had several problems, and and you fixed the ABS thing, and that's that's not connected to your current problem. Okay. No. So you say the engine is loud. Yeah, it just it just seems you can hear the engine more than you ever did before. Now it seems like somehow I messed up the turbo. I don't. Know, I don't. How would you have messed up the turbo? Well, I'm not a mechanic, guys, and I was in there in the engine. No. But, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean you were in there in the engine? The ABS module is, to the best of my recollection, is nowhere near the turbo. In fact, it's located right by the driver's side fender. Yeah, it's down. But you have to take kind of all the tubes and pipes and stuff off out of the way to kind of get down to it well is, is this the, does the uh, does the turbo work no so it's slow now it's slower than it was before now even my wife noticed which that's not a good thing yeah, yeah is she still speaking to you or is she communicating <laughs> by by rumor yeah. she's beginning to think the extra money at the dealer might have been worth it well I, I don't know i don't know what you could have disconnected or what you could have broken but you could easily have pulled off some of the linkage on the uh on the turbo and that would that would render the turbo inoperable you know, maybe you yanked off the linkage or the wastegate or something, but I can't imagine. But that wouldn't make noise. When you say it's louder, you mean when you rev up the engine, it makes more noise than it yeah, used well, to? Yeah, when we used to, when it idles, it seems it idles a little rough and it's a little louder. And then at speed, you know, this was a pretty nice car upgrade for us. Yes. So you got your hands on it. <laughs> Until I messed with it. Right. And, and now it's, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's not a nice, quiet, uh, high-end sedan. It kind of runs like. Other cars I've met. Well, how many before. miles does it does it have on it? Seventy-five thousand. Oh, jeez, seventy-five k. Does it run rough at idle? Yes. This is a five-cylinder car. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you all... <laughs> I'm really? showing my depth of knowledge here, aren't I, guys? <laughs> and now the next question is, what's a cylinder? <laughs> And it's possible that you're now running on four cylinders, and you might, yeah. you know, and it, it, that would explain a lot of things. Ooh, Don't huh. jump to the conclusion here that you messed anything up. I'm guessing that you have fouled a plug or something, or you have a cracked insulator on a plug, and yeah. you're running on four cylinders and not five. I mean, this might be worth a, a trip to the mechanic again, <laughs> because I think this That's is going to be... the internet. I, I can't fix this off the no, internet. No, no, I, th I think this is going to be something that he can fix relatively inexpensively, and he won't mess with the 600 bucks you've saved on the ABS. Plan. No, he'll probably only take 500 of that away from you. <laughs> but, Doug, you're in for a penny, in for a pound. You've got the tools already. We know you, we know you have yeah, tools. Yeah, I had to buy one of those special heads to get the, the ABS module off. That was right, sure. you had to buy some Torx bits, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So you got those. You might as well take the cover off to expose the, the spark plugs. Okay. And just, just for yucks, you might as well pull the spark plugs out. 
Okay. Yeah, my guess is just take a look and see if the, any of them looks a lot different from the other ones. Oh, great. Yeah, you may, have, you may have a burned electrode, or you may, you may, it may be something obvious. And if the, at the very least, <laughs> you can maybe ascertain if you're running, running on, on four instead of five. Yeah, and that would make it, that would make it run rough, but not terribly rough. You know, and it would also diminish your power by 20%. Yep. Yeah. Right? Which is yeah. probably what you're feeling. Exactly. Yeah, I okay. don't think, you know, and it, it would probably make it feel like the turbo isn't working either, even uh, though it probably is. So yep. I think you're jumping to the conclusion that you are in that area. Yeah, and, and you're, you're jumping to the conclusion that you're guilty. Well, and you're an innocent bystander. Your, your wife hasn't sold your tools yet, has she? <laughs> so, uh, but she she's threatening them, I don't know. Yeah, well, if you fail if you fail at this endeavor, then you might never see your tools again. Oh, but I, I think you ought to take a one, one last stab at it. <laughs> Do it this weekend. If you don't find anything, then sneak the thing over to the Volvo shop Monday morning and see if they can fix it for you. <laughs> Great, great, guys. Good, good luck, good, Doug. Good stuff. Thanks. See you. Bye-bye. I think you're right. Well, I think he's, he's running yeah. on four cylinders. Yeah, he's running on four cylinders. Now, how that would have happened, we it, don't know. It's a, no, it's a coincidence. It's a coincidence. I, I think he's so uh, overwrought with guilt. He, exactly. And self-doubt. Exactly. That he felt before he what even... What did I do? Before he even turned the key, yeah. he felt that whatever was wrong with it, he did. He's got reverse doctor syndrome. See, if you go into the operating room and you come out with something else wrong with you, you immediately blame the doctor. The doctor, of course, doesn't blame himself at all. No. But he does. Because a doctor with doubt is a dangerous <laughs> dude. <laughs> anyway, 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. You never want your doctor to have doubt, do you? Well, like, oh, you know, did you, you never want to hear a doctor say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, this is Katie. I'm originally from Max, Minnesota, but I'm calling from River Falls, Wisconsin. River, River Falls. Falls, Wisconsin. I'm at, a, I'm at a dilemma here. I have a 2002 Subaru Outback, and it's got 133,000 miles on it. Mm. And it's been making these weird sounds for the last couple of months. And a friend who's a mechanic said, uh, don't worry about it. Take it in when something else goes wrong. Well, something else went wrong. And I took it in, and it needs about $5,000 worth of repair. <laughs> and my question is, first of all, is their diagnosis correct? And if it is, should I pay to fix it to drive? Should I fix it to sell? Or should I just trade it in? Right, well, give us the, well, give us the list. Give us the, give us the five big items. I think we have to preface it by saying... That five thousand dollars of repairs on a on a Subaru that's only got one hundred and thirty thousand miles on it is very very unusual. Okay. Unless you have beaten this thing with a I'm stick. Not, I'm not. I just it's a commuter car. I just can't believe that. How long have you had it? I have had it for two years, and its previous owner I bought it from my mom, who bought it new in '02. Well, so, some somebody beat this car with a stick. <laughs> it was either you or dear old mom, but but somebody mom. somebody neglected it. I'm tell I'm us what these five thousand dollars worth of repairs are. Okay, sure. I took it in because it was smelling like burnt rubber. So like, you need a clutch. Like a, a clutch? No, it's a it's an automatic. Oh, okay, you need a transmission. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So they told me it was my catalytic converter, and I needed a new one of those, and a new and new O2 sensors, and a new gasket. And what the the noises were were my two pistons in my engine. I needed to replace those and rebuild my engine. So grand total of everything would be about five thousand dollars. What what what's wrong with the pistons? Well, they've been making this clunking noise. I guess especially when it's real cold. Yeah, um, Subarus I'll... do that. Uh, that's called piston slap. Piston slap. Okay. And, and it's like what I would like to give my brother once in a while. <laughs> a piston push slap. <laughs> but but uh, uh, the converters, the converters just probably rotted away. And so you have an exhaust leak, I would imagine. Yeah. Okay. So how much do they want for that? Like 1400 Well, about 1200 1200 yeah. bucks. I was going to say the pistons are the big expense here. But yeah. how, it, does the noise, does the piston noise go away when the engine's warmed up? It doesn't. Um, and especially, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I really, like, I'll be driving straight and it won't knock at me, but then I'll, like, make a corner in the road or if I turn out of my driveway, like, it'll just knock, 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 knock. Oh, that's knock, something knock. different. That may that, not okay. be piston slap. No, that's a bad axle. That knock, knock, knock when you're making turns, you have a bad constant velocity joint. That's very common on every front-wheel drive car and especially common on Subarus. But the piston slap thing is very common on Subarus, 
because what they did in an effort to, to make this engine more efficient is they made the pistons shorter. And by making them shorter, they make them lighter. And of course, the less mass the piston has, the more power you get out of the engine because more of the power gets transmitted to the crankshaft. But because, the piston isn't very strong. But the piston isn't strong, and it wobbles as it descends in the cylinder and causes this slapping sound. And it's not unusual for even new, newer Subarus. I don't know if they changed this design of late, but we've seen plenty of these in our shop that make exactly the same noise, but it usually goes away or almost goes away when the engine is warmed up. So if that's the case with yours, if it goes away when the engine's warmed up or seems to be not as big a deal, I would leave that. Okay. You you don't have to but fix that. You said you said you only get the noise when you're making these turns? No. Or is that another noise? She gets the the axle noise when she's making turns. Correct. The piston yep. slap noise is there when the engine's cold, it's worse. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I, I hear that. And then yeah. when it's warm, it doesn't knock, knock near as hard. Oh, it does. Yeah, I would ignore that. Okay. I'd fix the catalytic So converter. you don't have $5,000 of Okay. Of you only got 1200 Yippee! <laughs> right? Well, what about, what about the axle thing then? Oh, like, the axle, what? you got to do that. That's a, that's a few hundred bucks. Yeah. So okay. for 1500 Okay. You, you, and you 5, can send 000. the other 3500 to us or to your public radio station. <laughs> send, it, send it right to us. <laughs> but you could put... Uh, do, 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 uh, do you think dear old mom didn't change the oil very often in this thing? No, she she was pretty good about that. Every three thousand, she would bring it in. How about her daughter? How's her daughter been about changing the oil? <laughs> yeah, how's she doing? <laughs> She's been doing good. She's been doing real well. Lately or all the whole time? Because no, the whole time I've been taking good care of it. The whole time. Yeah. Well, you you might try with the approval of this fellow who's looked at the cars. Maybe he can agree with us in that maybe putting a higher viscosity oil in might might help this thing. Might reduce the piston slap. And I'm pretty sure if you call the Subaru dealer. There is an additive that they that they have been recommending that people put in. Okay. Yeah, that might help that too. Once it gets to a certain point, nothing will help it. But as long as the engine runs well and it's got good power, it can make this noise for a long time. Eventually, it'll cause you to burn oil and lose compression and all that. But you might be thirty or forty thousand miles away from that. Okay. But make sure you keep changing your oil like you have been. You know, every mm -hmm. I would say at least every five thousand miles. And throw all the additives in that you can possibly afford. <laughs> you can't hurt. And, and, but you have to do the axles right away. Okay. At least one of them anyway. Because it's going to be dangerous. Yeah, and you've got to do the catalytic converter thing because you'll be breathing fumes. And oh, and I've been driving with my, I have four-door, and I've been driving with the two windows down in the back because I just can't breathe. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. If you notice you're slurring your words and doing, you know, <laughs> stupid things like calling car talk. <laughs> good luck, Katie. Thanks a lot, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Look, I finally, it's time for us to take a little break. Another one? Two breaks in an hour? Whatever happened to the work ethic around here? Well, we put its picture on a milk carton in 1989, <laughs> but we haven't heard anything since. So two breaks it is, man. And we'll be back in just a minute with this week's brand new puzzler. I really can't describe it, so it's going to go as an indescribable puzzler. Really? Yes. I can hardly wait. So stay tuned. The new puzzler is coming up in a minute. You ask me if I love you, baby, you're my shining star. I can't stop thinking of you, baby, I love you like my car. Al Sharpton says, hey, it could be worse. I could be related to those two. <laughs> Whenever he hears us say it. This is NPR National Ha! We're back. 
You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and uh, the new Puzzler. Give it to me, baby. You ready? Yeah. Pay attention now. Yeah, I'm going to pay I don't, attention. I don't want any... I'm going to remember it, and I'm going to know the answer. Go I don't, ahead. I don't want any stupid I'm, questions I'm, I'm after. starting on a new whole thing here. <laughs> a new regime? A new regime. I'm going to remember the Puzzler, All right. and I'm going to have the answer All right. one week from Does today. Does your new regime involve shutting up? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. My friend Bob went back to his hometown for Thanksgiving last year, and while he was at his parents' house sleeping on the couch in his underwear, an old high school friend stopped by to visit. Hey, Bob, good to see you. Boy, I'll bet it's been like almost 20 years. You look great, said Bob. Uh, tell me, what have what you been doing? I heard you were running your father's gas station. Oh, yeah, but more important than that, Bob's friend said, I'm married. In fact, I married someone who was a year behind us in high school, and I'm pretty sure you didn't know. Mm. And by the way, the friend said, this is my daughter. Bob looked down at this little girl. He guessed it was about five or six years old. He extended his hand and asked the little girl her name. My mother and I have the same name, the little girl said. Oh, that's nice, said Bob. Then I guess your name must be Annie. Mm. How did he know? Okay, now if you think you know the answer... Write it on the underside of a Sky Scout personal planetarium with advanced GPS technology to locate and identify virtually any celestial object, including the Hubble telescope. <laughs> Built-in celestial calendar, database of 6,000 stars, planets, and constellations, patented Sky Tour audio presentation, and don't forget the lawn chair, plaid blanket, and thermos of hot cocoa, and send it to <laughs> Puzzler Tower, Car Talk Plaza, Box 3500, Harvard Square, Cambridge, Our Fair City, Matt 02238. Or you can email us your answer from cartalk.com. Now, if you have a car question for us right now, the number is what? 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-82. Hi, this is Sue from Anchorage, Alaska. Sue, Sue oh. what are you doing up there? Freezing. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question that has to do with pumping up your tires. Now, uh. my dad always told me that you were supposed to pump up your tires. It's safe. You get better gas mileage, the whole nine yards. Yeah. But when it's 30 degrees below zero up here, what are we supposed to do about pumping up our tires? That's a very, What, what, very what do you good mean question. when it's 30 below zero? Are you supposed to mean go out and do it? <laughs> no, no. If you, what if you've already done it? Like right. in July. <laughs> oh, so if you if you set your tire pressure, for example, uh, uh, when it was fifty degrees Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. and now it's say zero degrees Fahrenheit, is that what your was that your question is all about? Yes. And, and by pumping up your tires, you mean just setting it to the proper pressure? Right. You know they say you're supposed to set it to the proper pressure when it's the cold temperature in the morning. Right. When the when the yeah. when the when the tires are cold. Right. right. When the tires are cold, and, and it doesn't make any difference what the outside temperature is. When the tires are cold, they're cold. And so what well, happens... But they can be colder. They can be colder. <laughs> but what happens is, as the temperature changes, every, every 10 degrees of temperature change affects the tire pressure about 1 PSI. So if you, if you set them to, say, 30 pounds per square inch when it was 50, okay, and... When and, it's 30 below, when it, when there's it, nowhere in the tires anymore. <laughs> no, when it's zero... Okay, you, you've lost 5 PSI. Your tires are now at 25 PSI. So what if you set it when it's negative 30 and it's the right PSI because it's going to be negative 30 all day long? Exactly. But you drive around on them. Does driving around on them increase the tire yeah, pressure? Sure it does. Sure, but, but that's okay. Okay. Yeah, because you, you, set the, you, you put the correct amount in there, and that's what, all that matters. As long as the temperature doesn't go up to 50 the next day, which it ain't gonna. On the other hand, if you set your tires to 30 PSI when it's 30 below, and you decided, this is it, I can't stand another day here at Anchorage, <laughs> and you drove to uh, the Baja, California, yeah, okay, where it's 90 degrees. You'd have some serious okay, pressure in then, there. Then you'd be 12 pounds overinflated. Yeah. Right? And that So you would have to adjust it at some point. But if you drove around in your area... And it went from minus 30 to minus 10 to zero. It wouldn't make a big difference because you're only talking about three pounds. Okay. You know, but if, if, if you check it often enough and you got nothing else to do up there, right? You got, <laughs> what do you got? You watch the, the snow melt, right? So you say, what are we going to do today? Let me see. I'll check my tire pressure. <laughs> so you can go out and check it often, and you probably should. Okay. So is 30 below considered real cold there, or is that like?
Oh, no, that's really cold. We're, I keep telling people that they need to pump up their tires, but then I all of a sudden was really afraid that maybe I would tell someone to pump up their tires and it would be a bad thing because it was so cold. Yeah, no, no, I mean, no, if, I... if it really has been 30 below and seems to be sticking there, then that's the thing to do. But if that just is a, a freak that one day it goes down to 30 below, most of the time it's zero. Then don't do anything. Then, then don't, do don't do anything. Okay. Well, we, we generally recommend people check their tire pressures like with the spring thaw for you guys it's july so so you know but but you can check it you know every every uh, few months it wouldn't hurt okay all right great thank you guys thanks for your call sue bye hey do you know what time it is uh time to set our clocks to daylight wasting time <laughs> no 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 it's time to play stop the chumps This is the part of the show where we track down a caller from a previous show to see if they followed our advice. And, of course, to apologize if they did. <laughs> so who's our lucky player this week? It's Rich from Shelbyville, Kentucky. Now, you know, geez, that kind of rings a bell. Yeah, well, it should, because he was just on the show two weeks oh. ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I remember mean, now. You may remember Rich had a marital-slash-automotive problem. He was cleaning out his car, and he had removed... Oh, yeah. He had removed his wedding ring because it was pinching his finger. I set the wedding band on top of the dashboard. Oh, I see oh, it now. Oh, no. I go to come up from underneath there, hit my head on the back of the glove box, and the next thing I hear is... The wedding ring slides <sighs> down the dash. Yep, and into the front corner, the very front corner of the passenger side, where it has not been seen from since. How unique is this ring? It's fairly unique. Oh, did she like make, oh. take a jewelry class for six months and make it herself? <laughs> well, no, but we picked it out. So. Oh, and, uh. and you, you'd never be able to re reproduce it. I figured you guys would be able to come up with the answer because, ironically, I was listening to your show while I was cleaning the car. Oh, sure, oh. sure. Blame, Blame us. Blame us. <laughs> <laughs> you know... He really had no business blaming it on us, did he? No, but I'm sure he had plenty of good reasons to blame us after he talked to us. <laughs> anyway, what kind of bad advice did uh, did we give to Rich? Well, as I remember, this was really difficult because the ring was in a place where he couldn't even see it. So I thought about it and then tried to hang up on him. <laughs> <laughs> but you persevered, as I remember, and you suggested that he try to locate the ring with a boroscope yeah. and then fish it out. Well, let's see how we did. Rich, are you there? Hey, guys, how are you? Oh, look, at, before you fill us in, yeah. we have not spoken since your last appearance on Car Talk, have we? Correct. And the answer you're about to give us has not been influenced by our staff, the staff of National Public Radio, or by that 72-carat cubic zirconium wedding band that we got you from Jack Cartier Jewelers at the corner of 5th and 41st. <laughs> well, I thought it was that or the case of bourbon you guys sent, but I couldn't tell. So, Rich, tell us, did you get the wedding ring back? Well, I'd like to tell you we did, and, well, well, yeah, we did. Oh, no! <laughs> How'd you do it? How'd you do it? How did you well, do it? We, uh, we went ahead and went to the dealership, and I threw myself on the mercy of the guys and begged them not to laugh and tell my neighbors that this is what was going on. <laughs> they went ahead and used one of their little exploratory scopes there, and yeah. they almost gave up, and they finally found out at the very bottom of the... Dash panel inside there, just hanging on by a thread. And how did they? How did they actually fish it out? They used a coat hanger. They used a coat a hanger. Coat hanger, yep. isn't it wonderful? Uh, and I got brownie points back for a couple of days. You bet. You did you? Don't ever take that ring off again. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's. I think she super glued it to my finger. <laughs> that was good thinking. She can't trust you anymore. <laughs> I know it. Well, good work, and, and I'm glad you got the ring back because you would never have heard the end of it. You're absolutely right. You guys are my personal heroes now. Well, oh. you wouldn't have been able to trade the car right either. You would have to keep this car forever. Yeah, because right. the, the, pretty soon the ring is going to be worth more than the car. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and then you'd really uh, be in like trouble. I'm get that part of the trade in when we go to get it. You're right. Trade it. Yeah, so when you, you try to sell the car and you say, I want a thousand bucks for the car, and they say, oh, no, it's too much. You say, yeah, but there's a thousand dollar ring in there somewhere. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got it, Rich. Good work, and, and thanks for playing Stump the Chumps. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>
If you hear someone you'd like us to bring back for Stump the Chumps, please email us your suggestion from cartalk.com. But call right now and stump us. It's easy, folks. The number is 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255, a lawyer on Car Talk. Hi, this is Warren from San Francisco. Hey, Warren, what's Warren. What's, uh, what's going on? I have a philosophical question oh, for you. Boy. Oh, that's what we is need. Is it ethical, too? Ethical as well. Jeez, oh, uh, all right. Okay. Go ahead, man. You want to take the philosophical or the ethical part? <laughs> <laughs> so for the last two months, I've been borrowing a buddy's car for two weeks out of four. Oh. It's a 93 Camry with about 150,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. And on a dark and stormy night, I was driving the car home, and the tachometer started dipping and dipping. And when I got to a red light, yeah. the car stalled. Uh-huh. And it wouldn't start. It, it wouldn't start. It'll crank, but it won't turn over. Yeah, I, I know. So I had happens. it towed to the dealer where it is now. And they told you the timing belt broke. They haven't told me anything, nor have I told my friend about the problem. So oh, the so question. your friend thinks you're still driving it. <laughs> you just needed it for an extra few days. <laughs> So is well, this the philosophical or the ethical part of the question? <laughs> he's been really nice to let me use a car for free. Yeah. So do I simply repair it and not tell him? Do I tell him and expect him to pay for all the repairs? Oh. Well, it would Where's... be nice to know what's wrong with this. Well, you can, you, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Because, yeah. I mean, if it really is the timing belt. Yeah, I think it's worse than the timing belt because as I was driving, the, the tachometer was dipping and dipping, and I could push gas. And it would go back up, and the idiot lights would start flickering. But when I got to that last red oh. light, it just died. I don't think it is the timing. Well, it was a dark and stormy night, you said. Oh. It was raining. Hail and everything. Oh, no. It, I, it's not the timing belt. So how long has it been at the dealership? Two days. Okay, so they haven't had a chance to All look right. at it. I mean, I'm sure It's they'll... not going to be hundreds of dollars. No, it's probably going to be thousands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so think so. the threshold? Well, here's the deal. Uh, we're going to make up a rule here? No, oh, no oh, oh, it's going to be like a battlefield decision. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you borrowed the car with what understanding? With no understanding. He said, he said, Warren, you, use my car. Generally, he gets a tank of gas and a bottle of wine for each week that I borrow it. Is it a bottle of wine or a box of wine? Because <laughs> there's a big difference, you know. <laughs> Sometimes it's even scotch. Sometimes it's oh, even really? scotch. And he's been satisfied with that arrangement. More than satisfied. More than satisfied. More than satisfied. Now, now, he knows that with a car with this many miles on it, that anything could happen at any time. Yeah. I mean, most things like this have happened because the car has a lot of miles on it. So whatever it is that has broken or worn out has happened over 150,000 miles. So for you to pay the whole thing doesn't make any sense. For example, let's say the timing belt did break and it was supposed to have been replaced at 120,000 miles and it didn't get replaced. Well, that shouldn't be your fault. On the other hand, mm. if he blames you <laughs> because you were behind the wheel, even though that would be, you know, that would be unfair. It might mean the end of this wonderful relationship you've had. And and, and this may be the time to end it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for example, if my brother had been borrowing my car, we would find that this was an ideal opportunity <laughs> to split up <laughs> and never speak to each other again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, the tow truck driver who was banging on the fuel tank diagnosed it in the rain as either a distributor or a fuel pump problem. I like the fuel pump problem. Well, I, actually, I, in all the years that we've worked on Camrys, never I have one. never, ever once replaced a fuel pump. And yeah. we've worked on thousands of Camrys. But, but it certainly does have the symptoms of a fuel pump. But it more likely has a symptom, considering it was a dark and stormy, rainy night. Yeah. It could easily be that the distributor cap and the wires got all, all wet. wet. I and, like that. And that's what killed it. If it really was a dark and stormy night, I'm with my brother on this And one. the reason that, and, and here's what happened, I'm going to guess, is they went out to start your car the next day when it stopped raining, and it started right up, and they haven't come up with a good enough lie yet. <laughs> and that's why they haven't called you. You know, so here's what I would do. I would go over go there. Go with your, with the other key. <laughs> <laughs> no, tell them you left something in the car and see if it, go and see if it starts. Okay. I'll bet it will. I think it'll run like a dream. And, if and then say nothing? 
Well, no, and, and no, no. Then you can tell the whole story and tell your friend how you rescued the car. You know, like a it was a midnight raid. <laughs> you went there dressed in you know camouflage gear and all that, and you and you stole the car back from the dealership. And you went out and bought a set of spark plug wires with your own money and put them on the car, and now it runs great. And you're not getting the bottle of scotch this week. <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't think you have any ethical issues here. I, I think because it was not your wrongdoing, you could reasonably expect him to pay to, for the repair if it's a big one. All right. All right. Let us know, man. We're dying to know if it starts up. I, I'm, I'm betting that it does. Okay. All right. Good luck, man. <laughs> See you later. Thanks. Next time, try to make this arrangement with someone who has a newer car. <laughs> See you, Warren. Right. Bye -bye. People with newer Bye. cars, don't lend them to people. That's true. <laughs> well, it's happened again. You've squandered another perfectly good hour listening to Car Talk. Our esteemed producer is Doug the Subway Fugitive, not a slave to fashion, bongo boy, a futile short of a hacienda Berman. <laughs> Our social producers are Louis Cronin the Barbarian and David Gibraltar Green. Our senior web lackey is Doug the Old Gray Mayor. Our engineer is John Cartman Parati. And our technical, spiritual, and menu advisor just back from the New York roast pork, breaded stork, sliced orc, and wine cork tour de fork is John <laughs> Bugsy Lawler. Our public opinion pollster is Paul Murky of Murky Research, assisted by statistician Margin of Error. Our customer care representative is Haywood Jabuzoff. Our personal makeup artist is Bud Tugley. Our staff orthopedist is Denise Hoyt. <laughs> our wardrobe <laughs> advisor is Luke Howard Fitzhugh. Our fleet maintenance manager is Renata Oil. Our accounts receivable supervisor from the Mumbai office is Vishnu Payup. <laughs> our office ice cream tester is Nora Morse. Our children's music programmer is Alouetta. Our Russian chauffeur is Peekoff and Dropoff. Our optometric firm is CFI Care. Guest accommodations are provided by the Horseshoe Road Inn. And the head of our working mother support group is Erasmus B. Dragon. Our chief counsel from the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham & Howe is you, Louis Dewey, known to the stranded JetBlue passengers in Harvard Square as Huey Louie Dewey. Thanks so much for listening. We're Click and Clack the Tappert Brothers. And don't drive like my brother. And don't drive like my brother. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. CDs of the show, which is number 710, along with Car Talk clothing, audio collections, and other Car Talk gifts, are available at 888-CAR-JUNK or by going to the Shameless Commerce Division of our website, cartalk.com. This week, explaining how you can offset the emissions from your car's tailpipe. My car doesn't emit as much as an ounce of carbon dioxide. I'll have you know, sir. Right, I'm talking about cars that actually run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't say that. <laughs> the best way to reduce your emissions of greenhouse gases is, of course, what? Not driving. But most <laughs> of us have to take our cars somewhere, and the idea of offsetting your emissions is becoming increasingly popular. You can find out more about it this week at cartalk.com.